and welcome back to Garbage Film. This is the podcast where we link trashy movies and arty films, and we're here to say they are not too different. You can have just as much fun with both. And to prove it, we will take this week's trashier movie and pair it with something that is relatively arty. I am one of your hosts. I'm Nick, and with me as always is my partner and co-host, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm great. How I are always, you? <laughs> I always ask how you are. Like we haven't spent every minute together over lockdown <laughs> for the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. I appreciate that you asked. I want everyone else to know how you are. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes, there you go. So the, I'm good, everyone. Now can, you're up to date. They can have a window into Aaron's. <laughs> Nobody develop any parasocial relationships with me. <laughs> then why are we podcasting over it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we continue our noir vember this week with uh, being full in the knowledge that we're nearing the end of noir vember and December is rearing its disgusting, ugly head. <laughs> it's horrible, cold, gross head. <laughs> Which means that we turn our eye to the holiday season. And for that reason, this week we bring you Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Where's my gun? I, uh, no, I, uh... Give me my gun. No, I, I, I got rid of it. Say again? Yeah, I threw it in the lake because I figured you wouldn't, I would. I got priors in New York, so I really can't, I can't be messing around. You threw it away! Yeah, plus it's evidence. You what? Watch it. What were you thinking? My $2,000 ceramic vector my mother got me as a special gift? You threw in the lake next to the car. What happens when they drag the lake? You think they'll find my pistol? Jesus. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? Picture me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. Other way around, I guess. Let's kiss. <laughs> Let's bang. Oh, no. Oh, no. Explicit. <laughs> One thing I didn't write down this week is what year this movie's from, which would be... 2007? That's a, I'm going to... Let's wager on this. Sure. I'm going to say 2005. All right. Oh, let's, I feel uh, like you're right. Yeah. I'll bet you one Canadian dollar. 2005. Oh, fuck. All right. I well. will take your loony for those oh, <laughs> non-Canadians in the audience. A loony is one dollar. It's a real thing yep. that they call money. We're cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 All kiss, right. kiss, bang, bang. Yes. Let's go back. From 2005. Thank you. As we all know, no one had to look up. <laughs> No one guessed and got wrong. Uh, this is a, uh, what would you call it? This is like, we've got five different genres going on. It's a comedy, noir, it's, rom-com, buddy. Yeah. It's obviously, I feel like you can, like, let's slash rom-com because it kind of, you can kind of fold it into the noir part. Oh, where yeah. there's like a dame. It's a given. Yeah. Usually. Mystery is in there. Yeah. No, so, noirs are mysteries. Yeah. So. I would say comedy noir, honestly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's simple enough. Let's keep it there. Yeah. Anymore. yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. I just needed to talk it through with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> this is my support network. Uh, so Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. This is directed by Shane Black of Predator fame. Uh, <laughs> written by Shane Black. Adapted from a Brett Halliday novel uh, called Bodies Are Where You Find Them. Uh, very loosely adapted as I understand it. Okay. Uh, here we've got Robert Downey Jr. pre-Iron Man as uh, Harry Lockhart. Val Kilmer as Perry, a.k.a. Gay Perry. Gay Perry. Michelle Monaghan as Harmony Faith Lane. Corbin Burnson as Harlan Dexter. And uh, I want to give a shout out to the cameo on which this entire movie hinges. The Bear and the Beer commercial played by Lawrence Fishburne. What? <laughs> no! Are you serious? I'm a bear! Uh, what do I know? I suck the heads off fish! <laughs> That's Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> I knew it this time around, and I was like, it sounds nothing like it him. There's like two like words him. at the very end that you're like, I can kind of see it. He's oh going to offer God. me a red pill or a blue pill. What, I am. A, what a role. This podcast is more and more just becoming, I get to bring you facts that I know will <laughs> upset your mind. Not upset you emotionally, just like. No, just turn things a little, yeah. Uh, capsize I, your brain slightly. Yeah, make me uncomfortable for the rest of the day, <laughs> and it's fine. Gonna keep Lawrence you on your toes. Fishburn. All right. Do you think he approached them, or they he approached, or they approached him? I like to. This is how I'm picturing it. Shane Black just like is writing the script, and like any script, it gets shopped around. Somehow Lawrence Fishburne sees it, and he's like, "Gotta be this fucking bear." <laughs> this bear is meant for me. <laughs> to be fair, too, like there's no, there's no. The bear is CG. Oh, yeah. There's it no looks reason. like trash. Yeah, and he doesn't <laughs> sound like his voice doing it, so there's no reason for it to be Lawrence Fishburne. Nope. I love it. Other than, it's fun. Yeah. 
I love that. Who among us has not wanted to play a bear in a beer commercial? That's fair. If I was going to get paid, yes. I'd do that. Yep. Okay. I'd do it for free. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> buy beer. There, I did it. There we go. For my <laughs> money. So let's talk about the plot of uh, this here Kiss Kiss Bang Bang then. Um, let's get into it. So, Harry Lockhart, that's uh, Robert Downey Jr., he unintentionally wins a big screen test for a movie by showing remorse in an audition for a botched burglary he committed in New York City uh, because his friend got shot and he's very emotional about it. Yeah, he's Uh, doing this scene of like, he's, they just came from the scene of the crime. He's still bleeding. Yeah, like he escapes the cops by leaving his dead friend in an alley and like accidentally bursting into this room where an audition for like a cop drama is going on and he's handed this script and he's just like, crying and like i killed him i killed my partner he did i shouldn't have taken him along and they're like he's good he's really so good method. oh my god yeah. they even say "Ooh, brando, brando. <laughs> <laughs> this is what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah uh so f- for that screen test he's flown out to la and at a party harry meets his childhood crush harmony lane and perry van shrike aka <laughs> gay perry uh, a private investigator hired to give Harry on-the-job tutelage for his screen test so he can better play a detective. Um, I didn't realize this until reading. Gay Perry is a play on Gay, gay Perry. I, I didn't. Assume. I was just like, oh, it's kind of rude that they just keep calling him that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I find it extremely unlikely that in all of L.A., in all of this, like, actor scene, there's one person they oh, know yeah. that's gay who gets the gay person nickname. Yeah, that's... Doubtful. That feels... <laughs> Don't be stupid. Yeah, come on. You're you're willfully yeah. making up your own reality around you. The Matrix. Learn Frischport. Oh, <laughs> that's all, folks. Tune in next time. Uh, so at this L.A. party where he meets Perry, the party host Harlan Dexter, who's a retired actor, uh, has recently resolved a feud over his wife's inheritance with his estranged daughter Veronica. Everybody's very gossipy about it. Mm-hmm. Even the, like, the meta voiceover is like, hey, this is a thing you should pay attention yeah. to, right? Isn't, Isn't that it weird? weird that we're talking so much at this party about how he's suddenly friends with his daughter again? <laughs> So during uh, Harry's detective lessons at a Big Bear Lake cabin, Perry and Harry, <laughs> uh, Perry and Harry see a car being dumped in a lake. Perry notices a female corpse in the trunk, shoots the locker in a rescue attempt, but accidentally hits the corpse, immediately incriminating him. <laughs> yeah. So they're standing over this like drowned slash shot person <laughs> that they pulled out of a lake. Yeah, and they decide against reporting it as well. They will appear Perry killed her. Pretty, yep. It's pretty open and shut case. Yep. Uh, thinking Harry is a private investigator, Harmony informs Harry of her sister Jenna, who supposedly killed herself. Uh, gives her gives uh, Harry the background on all of that, and Harry finds uh, the lake corpse, which has been identified as Veronica, in his bathroom. All of a sudden. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad night for him. So they've got like two cases ongoing where it's like, who is this woman? Like Perry was hired to find this corpse it looks like yeah and now harmony's sister is dead in yeah. a separate case yeah which is the class like a, they draw attention to like this is how the detective novels always worked but this yeah. is just like how good procedural stuff tended to work right i think so there's a you know there's always that minute like 40 40 minutes into the hour-long procedural <laughs> where he's like wait say that again it's like a different conversation slipped out on a banana peel yeah <laughs> I know who killed her! Like, it's... Yeah, it's fun. It's not fun, but it is interesting. <laughs> but it is fun! It is a little fun. But the twist now is that, yeah, Harmony thinks he's a detective. Ha- he's, she's having him investigate her sister's suicide, what she thinks is murder, and the corpse, the late corpse, yeah. is being pinned on Harry. Yes, and there's, like, a gun hidden in his hotel. Yeah, he's been in town for all of one day. Yep. Who knows he's here? Who is pinning this on him? Yeah. Uh, so he finds the body in his bathroom and he and Perry together dump it on the street somewhere and kind of get it out of his hair. Harry goes to see Harmony the next day, uh, who accidentally slams the door on his finger, cutting it off, uh, after finding out that he lied about being a private investigator. So. Yep. Classic. Yep. It's no good. Uh, and I jumped over my favorite sight gag in the entire movie, which is when 
uh, Harmony is describing the case to Harry, and he's taking notes, and he's just like, oh yeah, those specifics are important, details are important, and it cuts to what he's just drawing, like, a really detailed Spanish cat. Yeah, cartoon cat that's just yelling, gato! <laughs> he's, he's nodding, he's like, I gotta, this is my process, I gotta take notes. Like, he's still pretending to be a detective, just, gato. <laughs> it's good. It's uh, good stuff. Remember when RDJ was in, like, funny movie <laughs> well this is a thing like to digress slightly mm-hmm. he, this is the like the post rehab rdj and yeah. like they got him for really cheap because no one thought Everyone you could make a movie was, with him anymore yeah was like unreliable and wouldn't yeah yeah and so it was a real like this was the gamble using rdj right. here and it like they so he says later on in chain black is like yeah this is exactly what happened this movie is his audition for iron man <laughs> And then he gets Iron Man, and it's the reason Shane Black does Iron Man 3. Is oh, everyone's like, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's funny. It, it's this real, like, well, we're helping each other out, and we know that yeah. we work well together, and all they this do. stuff. Yes, they do. Yeah. Good anyway. chemistry. <laughs> Spanish cat. Go on. Gato. Gato. Uh, so, uh, Harry's finger gets lopped off. They reconnect it. He's high on pain meds. Uh, so he goes <laughs> to a party where Harmony is working. He offends a lot of people because he... <laughs> Goes through this. He just calls them all crazy. He's like, no one is normal in LA. Everyone has daddy issues. Yep. He really, everyone deserts him in a corner pretty much. Yep. And he meets two men that are referred to as Mr. Frying Pan and Mr. Fire, a.k.a. Mr. Mustard. Uh, <laughs> These are goons. Yes, very much hired goons. Uh, uh, dress up going on here. These are the two men that we saw at the lake. And Harry puts that together and they beat him about the face. Uh, <laughs> about the face and neck. Telling him to like, you're in too deep, man. LA doesn't want you. Yeah. You're sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. Extremely classic goon banter. Oh, yeah. Big and time. they're like annoying each other a little bit. Like yeah. they're both trying to get the cool goon lines in. <laughs> they keep stepping on each other's toes about it. That's good. Um, so after that, Harmony and Harry uh, follow Perry to the latest stakeout because they think that Perry's in danger, that Mr. Mr. Frying Pan and Mr. Fire are going to get him, but it's a setup, uh, which ends in Mr. Fr- Frying Pan being killed by an armed food cart operator, which is just great. Mm-hmm. I have really... never been to L.A. or know anything about it, but all I know is that that's a like part that people stand up and whoop and holler at in L.A. screenings. It's like, yeah, food carts. Woo. <laughs> okay. He really gives it to him. Like, he empties a cartridge into this man <laughs> and is, like, screaming, fucking animals! <laughs> This guy's had enough. You get the feeling that, like, he's going to pop another clip in and walk out into the street and, like, this is the yeah. thing that broke <laughs> yeah. the hot dog man. Yeah. <laughs> so Perry was following a pink-haired girl, which is somehow affiliated with Mr. Pry- Frying Pan and Mr. Fire. Uh, she steals Harmony's car and unwittingly drives an unconscious Harry to her house, mm-hmm. where uh, Harry comes to and sees Mr. Fire uh, kind of being like, you screwed up the job, but it's okay, we'll make... We'll make do, and then shoots her. Yeah. Uh, and Harry kills Mr. Fire, and that's kind of the end of all of their leads. Yeah. For a little bit, yeah. Yep. They. It's obvious that, like, Perry had been... It was bait. Perry was hired yeah. to follow this pink-haired girl, but she's actually working with the goons. Mm-hmm. And it was a setup to, like, trap him in the park late at night. Yeah. Which, but now both of them are... All of them are dead. Goons yeah. are dead. Pink-haired girl's dead. And they have no tie back to whatever the... Th- bigger mystery is that they know it has something to do with Veronica, something to do with getting hired by uh, an Allison Ames. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're... Yeah, just kind of at a loss. Yeah, and I will say this is the, like, second act going into the third act moment where, like, you know, you've got to feel like, oh, the heroes are down on their luck. What are they going to do? And I know the first time I watched this, I was legitimately like, wow, this is, like... They're never going to figure it out. Like, yeah. I, it had bamboozled me, the mystery. It got me. It's very, it's very like, yeah, when, where are you going to get leads if you, you know? Yeah. It's Everyone 2005. Died. The internet doesn't really exist yeah, yet. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So here's where we get the deep, rich backstory. Uh, Harry meets Harmony at his hotel, where she reveals that she told her sister, Jenna, that Harlan Dexter, got enough proper nouns here, yeah. was her real father. Doing so to diminish the pain of their sexually abusive father. To, to be like, he, this isn't incest, it's your okay. Your dad isn't abusing you. He's not, he's not your real dad. Your real dad wouldn't do that to yeah. you. Harmony also reveals that she once slept with Harry's best friend and he throws her out. Hearing of her supposed disappearance uh, that follows, Harry and Perry investigate a mental hospital owned by Harlan. 
learning that Veronica was once incarcerated there by him to be replaced with the pink hair girl yes. to like act as Veronica in order to end the inheritance feud and like smooth over everything. Yeah, so Harlan Dexter, fearing an inheritance feud, yeah. hospitalizes his daughter. Yes. Puts a look-alike out in the world to be like, I love you still, Dad. Let's drop this lawsuit. You can have your inheritance back. And, like, a boyfriend or friend of Veronica's was, like, coming into town and noticed that it was the wrong one. So they killed the the real Veronica to just, like, again, trying to smooth out things with murder. Yeah. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) Solves everything. Always. Uh, So Harry unintentionally kills an orderly. And they are captured by Harlan. Harry informs Harmony, who steals a van with Veronica's corpse in it, big casket, which is the only thing that I'm like, why do you have a huge casket? Just it feels very out of place. That's how they that's how they cremate people, right? You put oh, them in right. the casket and then you burn it all burn up. The, yeah. Yep. Uh, everybody escapes. Uh, the Harry and Perry are shot by the same bullet. I know I thought Perry was dead at that moment. Yes. But uh, he's got the I will survive ringtone. To yeah, alert that's you. right. <laughs> it goes off right at that moment. You're like, maybe there's hope. Uh, Harry shoots Harlan. We're getting every all of our loose ends cleaned up. Uh, in the hospital, the trio learn that Jenna com- did in fact kill herself after witnessing Harlan having sex with Veronica's replacement and thinking that she was seeing her past abuse in front of her. Uh, she, uh, yeah, she couldn't take it, which, like, I get it. That's sure. bad. Yep. yep. <laughs> Dark it's, as hell. Yep. Uh, Perry slaps around Jenna's father, and Harry and Perry kind of start working together, I guess, as a private eye team. That's kind of yeah, just left open and yeah. cute. Uh, yeah, and that's, uh, that's about our story. The, I'll say for me, this is, I think, my second or third time watching it, mm-hmm. and this is the clearest the mystery has ever been to me. I know the first time <laughs> I watched it, I was just nodding like, yes. Funny things I, are happening. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're hap- They're smiling. So it's good. It's good now. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's very like, yeah. The confusing part for me, it 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 fully holds together. Like it's Ooh. fine. It just does do that noir thing where it's very like there are too many leads almost, and you don't know which ones are significant. And this is the the tricky mystery time. Like I feel like mystery is the hardest thing for me to intake. Because yeah. I treat everything as significant. And like, yeah, well, they're filming it. It must mean something. Yeah, and yeah. like that's the exact opposite of the way you do a mystery, is you have to involve enough stuff that you can't guess what the resolution's going to yeah. be. So, yeah, it's yeah. that, like, all, all blockbusters kind of follow that thing of, like, if they... If they bothered to put a camera on it on purpose, it's probably significant. Yeah. But this is, yeah, it's just very, like, everyone has slightly different of an idea of what's significant, and everybody's yeah. going off in their own direction trying to investigate stuff. And <laughs> not everybody has the same information at the same time. Yeah. So things like, uh, we know Allison Ames hired Perry, and that turns out to be... Um, Harmony's, Harmony's stage name, her, like, actor name. And it was her sister who, who hired him in mm-hmm. order to follow... Harlan Dexter. Harlan Dexter and, like, get the scoop on this. So, like, yeah. if Harmony knew that Allison Ames hired Perry, done. Exactly, We yeah. know everything. Yeah. yeah. Her sister, like, stole her credit cards with the name Allison Ames on it. Yeah. And if she, like, she knew her credit cards were stolen, but not that it was charged to Perry's company. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. It interlocks quite well. I it like it does. a lot. Yeah. yeah. I know, like, I, the first time around I was overwhelmed and it was just that, like, funny, funny lines okay. get said. Yeah. <laughs> we like all... Th- don't hurt my best friends, my three best new friends, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. It is... It's a nice little, little convoluted time. It is. It's great. It's got that noir thing of, like, everything's too confusing, <laughs> but good. The world's complex and also mm-hmm. this plot line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, the, I like the, the harmony parts are the ones that kind of hold the, like, glue the two mysteries together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do like it. I it's guess a great rewatch. It has so much rewatch it value. Does, yeah. Which is awesome. It also moves super fast, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's one of the reasons that you can't grasp all the plot points yes. as they come, I feel like. Yeah. But yeah. It doesn't lag. Yeah. 
uh, for part of the reason being Robert Downey Jr. narrating most of the time is like it's filling in all the spaces that you could have to think yes. about stuff. Yeah, this is only one of the only like voiceovers that I don't hate. Mm. I generally not a fan. I feel like it's lazy most of the time. But this <laughs> is actually like it it revolves around the idea of like the detective, the cheap paperback detective novel, right? Yeah, and you're gonna have this like omniscient voice narrating things. And yeah, that's it's what not he's like, doing for this movie. It's not parody or satire, but it is poking fun at the whole yeah. convention. And I like for me, I feel like some of the stuff is is some of the narration stuff is dated. Like the the meta aspects are like it could they, yeah. But now that just, we're into the year twenty twenty one, yes. That's one of those. That's just a factor of like I saw this for the first time like three four years ago something like that. Sure. So, yeah. 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 So let's talk about it. Let's do. I love this movie. This <laughs> this is one of the movies that I've seen like not the most ever in my life obviously but mm. a great deal because it was one of the only movies that I had in physical copy <laughs> when I moved. And so you know you're waiting for your internet to get set up or whatever or you're you know mm. I didn't have Netflix at the time and stuff like that like yeah it's I've just seen it so much and it's so rewatchable. It's a really good just like toss on movie too. Totally. Cuz if yeah. you know it well enough you can be like oh I want to watch the part where his balls get zapped. And then I want to see the part where he threatens the orderly. He's like, tell us where Veronica is or whatever. And he accidentally shoots him because he doesn't understand the math on how likely the you are odds. to shoot someone with one bullet in the chamber. <laughs> it's like, this, it's like 8%. What the fuck are you talking about? No, it's not 8%. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a collection of lovely little moments that like really, the chemistry with oh, these yes. two, That's what impeccable. <laughs> impeccable. They both deserve all of their own movies. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Val Kilmer is like, for me, everybody, like I feel like, the thing people took away at the time was like, wow, Robert Downey Jr. is so funny. And He's he can, back. He can, yeah. yeah, exactly. But for me, it's all about Val Kilmer 100% of the time. He's impeccable, yeah. One thing that uh, I can't back this up entirely, but a lot of my reading said that this is, obviously Val Kilmer is not a gay man himself. We know this. Um, but it is the first uh, gay lead character, openly gay lead character in an action movie, full stop, potentially. Ever? In a mainstream wow. something. Yeah, in yeah. like a Hollywood. Oh, okay. Um which, like, I have this weird little... Here, let's sort this out. Let's, let's talk this through. <laughs> let's sit down with this. I have this weird thing of, like, because there's there's hay made of gay Perry... Sure. ...that I reflexively, like, I get my hackles up, like, oh, no, it's going to do something homophobic. But I feel like all it is is Harry Lockhart has never met a gay person in his life, so he doesn't know how to interact. Like, he's... It's the same thing as, like, Maybe? watching, yeah. like a sitcom from the time that means well, but just nobody knows how to interact with a gay person. Where the person. joke is clearly on Harry. Yes, that's And not on Perry for being gay. Because Perry's the cool person in this, Perry's and Harry's the, is the coolest sack. man in the world. <laughs> Harry's a fucking idiot next to this guy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, Perry's the only competent one. He's the only, yeah. you know. And none of it is, like, because he's gay. Mm-hmm. He just is gay. Yeah, and, like, I know I went to look afterward to be like, and how did this come about? And it is just Shane Black being like, I wanted something that would, one, be unexpected, and two, go against a stereotype. Nice, so, sure. Yeah. It is very, like, you know, Michelle Monaghan in this is, like, super gorgeous, and she's, like, the, f- not the femme fatale, like, she's she's on their side, kinda, but she's, yeah. like, the dame of the, yeah. you know. Um, and she's always wearing little outfits, little, you know, to go to host at parties and stuff. But it's, yeah, it is... So it's it's clearly like it's playing with that trope of like these movies are designed for the straight male gaze. Oh yeah. And your main character is gay, and it's yeah. just like okay, let's expand that universe a little bit. Like yeah, it's it's delightful. It is delightful. I guess I should say I have com- I had complicated feelings about gay Perry, but they're gone now. <laughs> no, no, I just like you it. Can't not love gay it's Perry. Good. We kind of skipped over the fact this is a Christmas movie. Yep, this is a classic <laughs> Shane Black movie yeah. where... Yeah. Like, uh, I was reading, like, four of his major movies are Christmas movies. <laughs> and, like, Nice Guys is another one that it feels it's like... it got a real Christmas noir Christmas thing. L.A. noir thing. Yeah. Going on. L.A. noir. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very funny. Like a lot of the the soundtrack is great. I love it a lot. Mm, the, yeah. the when you see like it's divided into chapters, like a like a hard boiled detective novel. or Before whatever. Before I forget about that, since you mentioned it, oh, the sure. chapter titles for each of them. Mm-hmm. That's the name. Uh, what trouble is my business? The lady in the lake. The little sister. The simple art of murder. And farewell, my lovely. Those are all 
uh, Raymond Chandler novels. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Okay. Raymond Chandler being like the basis for most noirs. Like yeah. he wrote The Long Goodbye, am I thinking of? Yeah, and Maltese Falcon, I think. Yeah, too. yeah. Like yeah. he, yeah, Sam Spade, like all of the. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's great. I like that a lot. Uh, see, it's just he loves its subject material so much. Anyway, I cut you off. No, 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 that's okay. Um, yeah, row, row, rowing back? Rolling row on back. back. Let's row it on row, back. Row, row, row on back. <laughs> Gently down. We're not sports people. Um, <laughs> the first chapter is Harry um, at the L.A. party. It's like yeah. a pool. It's Christmas, but it's that weird thing. Like, we're from Canada. If it's Christmas, there is a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah. But this party is like, there's tinsel, but no snow. You can't see anybody's breath. They're all, there's people swimming in the pool. Yeah. It's very weird, but. It upsets me. Yeah. So it's got that. And what's on in the background at this party is like jazz Christmas tunes, like, you know, arrangements of Christmas carols, but like jazzy and and very like LA hip, you know? (laughs) And then the second chapter is where you cut back to like how Harry got to the party. Mm. It's him in, it's also a Christmas carol, but it's a a hip hop version. (laughs) It's like gritty New York, like it's at night and he's breaking into this place to like find a toy that's really hot for his niece. He's like robbing this toy store and it's like a rap version of a Christmas Carol. New York, yeah, is really the hip hop Christmas. Yeah. And LA is hip hip sleigh ride. Cutesy jazz, yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. So that I, I enjoy the like a lot of the soundtrack is Christmas carols, but mm. not obviously so. Yeah. Very like diegetically, mm. you know, on in the background or or just straight up just arrangements of things that are not Christmas sounding. Yeah. I liked a lot. I thought you were going to say that uh, at the party in the background, there's a film on and it's a like, <laughs> there's also an that. upsetting Spanish Santa Claus movie that we both know. We have seen this movie. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like, you know, you can wander through the house and like, there's this little mini theater at, at Harlan Dexter's place, the party that he's giving. And it's called Santa Claus versus the devil. Is it, uh, is that the name of it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I can't <laughs> and it's exactly what it yeah, sounds like. It's uh, Santa Claus and the devil fighting for the souls of, children it's much less interesting than it sounds it is bananas yeah Yeah. so it's it's very christmassy but in a very upsetting and and kind of nightmare fuel-y way yeah yeah yeah. it is bonanas the whole movie is a little bit like that yeah (laughs) jane black you fucking weirdo we love you he loves his bizarre la christmas Mm um on on that oh no not on that uh, on a different on topic entirely. <laughs> uh, had you heard of Brett Halliday? Do you know Brett Halliday at all? I don't. No. I just wanted to throw the some stuff out there about novel author. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't know anything about him if he was like contemporary at the time of the movie or past stuff. Sure. And he's he's a like a '30s writer. Brett. Oh, okay. Brett Halliday. I don't think of Brett as a '30s name. Well, this is so. His, Brett Halliday is the author's name. That's a pen name of Davis Dresser. Which, that's Sorry? a way more noir name to me. Davis Dresser. That's Sam Spade and his partner, Davis Dresser. We're guys who are also household implements. <laughs> what? Okay. All right. Uh, Weird choice, Davis. Yeah. Davis is a noir as hell name. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right. Much more so than Brett. 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 You need to, yeah, you need more syllables than... True. Brett. Uh, but, uh, Davis was super prolific, um, not just as that one pen name. He also wrote other pen name under other pen names to do Westerns and dramas and romances. Oh. So like, listen to all those guys' names. Uh, so Davis Dresser is Brett Halliday is Asa Baker, Matthew Blood, <gasps> Catherine Culver, Don Davis, Hal DeBrett. <laughs> you reached an old yep, Anthony Scott, Peter Field, Anderson Wayne. That nice. feels like the Western one to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, like, I only read a little... Yeah, I don't... I I think that's just how you marketed stuff back then. Because you couldn't be like, oh, I'm Davis Dresser, the noir novelist. I also wrote this pulp romance. Like, no one would buy that. I'm Catherine Culver. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow, this is... I never... It, I'm Now that I give a single moment's thought to it, of course, I'm sure it happens. But, like, you always hear of like female authors having to go under like male yeah. sounding pen names to sell their shit but like never once heard of the other way around but of course of yeah. course you would yeah if you want to sell romance romance novels or whatever that's how you do it yep uh, that's really funny so i didn't like do a deep dive into him but uh he was like a turn of the 
uh, 20th century guy, 18s into 19s. Oh, wow. Um, He lost an eye on barbed wire in Texas when he was a kid. So, like, he had, like, an eye patch and always had a cigarette in his mouth. So, like... Okay, well, that's cool as hell, but... (laughs) Never say the words I and barbed wire together to oh, me, ever again. Content warning on this episode. <laughs> right. Oh, what do you just face first into some barbed wire? I guess wire? so. Just like, I'm Nightmare. tougher than barbed wire. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Texas. <laughs> he wasn't born in Texas, though. He was born in the Midwest. Oh, so okay. Maybe right. he had to prove himself. I guess. <laughs> Texas hazing. Yeah. He uh, married another mystery writer named Helen McCloy. Okay. And they had their own offices called Halliday and McCloy, which is just like oh, a great... Yeah. That rules. They're detectives. Yeah. You can't convince me otherwise. This is, it feels like one of those things of like, and I'll write about my next story in this mystery novel. I'll change the name so nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they eventually divorced and he remarried a non-mystery writer, mm-hmm. Mary Savage. But a writer? Yeah. Okay. Just, uh, yeah, non-mystery. I, just, I think that she was a romance writer. Okay. Um, and they had a son named... Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, named Halliday. So he named his son after his pen name. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is like That's so weird. disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> for the number you couldn't generate just one more name? You've been doing it for like twenty years. But he's like Halliday is huge. He he's like that's his All bread right. and butter. This is but it feels like the lame version of or maybe it's the cool version <laughs> of naming it just like Davis Jr. I guess. I just yeah, you don't it's, have Junior in there, so that's... Yeah, you, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But it just feels like you don't... Yeah, like, there's no... You you had so little concern for what your son was going to be named that you were just like, yeah, the the first name I think of. Like, <laughs> oh, just my around, own name. <laughs> looking around <laughs> the office and he sees all of his books, yeah. like... Halliday. I'm feeling like the name Halliday for some reason. It's just also very funny that I didn't use the first name. <laughs> yeah, like, like, not even... Yeah, very weird. Okay, maybe he just likes the name. Uh, but he gave up his pen name in 1958 and gave it to a few ghostwriters who continued to write stories yeah. under that pen name for years and years and years. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, just some stuff about Brett Halliday. I thought it was interesting. So Bodies Are Where You Find Them is... He he did write that? That's yeah. not a ghostwriter thing? That okay. is a him one. And this is like... The plot differs so wildly that I started taking notes. as like, no, this is not even... No. It would have to be. Like, the idea of... like, Well, I guess the idea of like a film crew coming to town... I think the only thing that it has in common is the, like, the daughter swap mentals, probably a sanatorium they would have called it at the time. Um, Oh, yeah. People were still getting lobotomies if their wives were a little uppity. Like, it's their wives. I'm, yeah. Yeah, it's a Mormon thing. Uh, (laughs) The word is wives, but okay. um, Yeah, so, so. Okay. I think it's, like, core idea from. Sure, like there's a doppelganger. Yeah. That's yeah, the maybe kernel it's, that's of all them. it is. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, I also wanted to mention how this, how Shane Black came about writing this movie and directing yeah. this bad boy. If you're interested to know I about do. that, I want to know. Feels like a leading question. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> what if I say no? Oh fuck, we got a oh, vamp kill shit. time. So, what's your favorite color? <laughs> Noir. Ah! <laughs> I like this little story because, like most of the best things in life, it was written due to spite. Oh, yes. Good. (laughs) So going back a few years before this, uh, Shane Black sold his script for what his previous movie was. It's The Long Kiss Goodnight, which stars Sam Jackson and Gina Davis. Okay. He sold it for $4 million in 1996, which is an absurd money for a script. Like in 1996 dollars? Yeah. Or he... Okay. So it, it like the equivalent of four million today, or someone wrote a check for four million dollars in nineteen ninety six. Yes, holy fuck! Yeah, like at the time, the most anybody had paid for a script, is my understanding. Okay, is this like because he was coming off Predator? And... No, because he didn't. He only acted in that. He didn't write any of it. This is because he's coming off of Lethal Weapon, uh, the Last Action okay. Hero, stuff okay. like that. So like he is known as the action writer. At this, yeah, like the, for sure, the hot right? action writer, yeah. and this is his first dip into noiry stuff. Though I guess if you want to be really like, eh, noir is a flexible medium. You could say last yeah. action hero is noiry. Um, it's got some elements in there, but this is this is his first dive into action noir stuff, and okay. he gets four million dollars for the script, which yeah. 
in today's dollars, by the way, that's almost $7 million. Which is insane. For a script. Yeah. One from a, script from, like, a guy that people know. Pretty well known, but, but not, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. So, like, on that day, he has, like, half of Hollywood is like, look at this fucking guy. <laughs> and they hate him. Uh, I can't, I hate him. <laughs> Uh, but then to double the hate on that, uh, the movie bombed hard oops, at the box office uh, and critically as well. It's now like mm. one of those things that people are like, this is a cute movie. It's like mm. really mid to interesting cult movie. It, I saw it described as like, it's like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang if you took the comedy out and infused more action into it. Eh, so like, right. it just feels very 90s, I guess. Uh, sure, Definitely. Which, not not a seven million dollar movie. Yeah, as well. which I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't judge it. But uh, that's certainly what people at the time thought. Yep. And uh, the producers blamed the script and how much they spent on it, <sighs> so he gets blacklisted pretty much. How the fuck is that his fault? What are you gonna say? No, thank you. Yeah, like I don't. I mean... Actually, I think it's worth less than that. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, the producers. Most confusing negotiation yeah. strategy. <laughs> uh, they trying to neg me down to paying less. What's it's... happening? So Shane Black, in part. Of his own volition, just stepped away from working for a while. Mm, um, he uh, has $7 million. Sure. Yeah, he didn't really get yeah, shit. Work. <laughs> so that's 96. He takes like two years off or so. 98, 99, we're getting into that period. And he's like, okay, I want to get back into things. One way I'd like to do this is uh, taking some time off. I'm going to apply for membership to the Film Academy, which okay. I don't really know much about how Film yeah. Academy works. But their requirement uh, for new Academy members was to have two produced works of substance and merit. So you can be a director, a producer, or a writer with okay. that kind of shit. As long as you haven't, like, made Plan 9, it's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I guess actors are part of that, too. It, it's just sure. that, like, it feels like a minimum bar of entry kind of thing. Yeah. To... You're not a total pretender. Yeah. yeah. But it, it also feels very gatekeepy. Uh, at the time, he had, obviously, Long Kiss Goodnight uh, mm -hmm. is there. Lethal Weapons 1 and 2 uh, is out there. Last Action Hero was a big movie. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. And they refused him membership because he didn't, they claimed he hadn't done anything of substance, of substance or merit. at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boo! Uh, the exact memo he got said he could reapply when he had, quote, more credits, end quote. So, like, they didn't... Just more. Yeah. <laughs> no notes? Nope. Nothing you're gonna... Yeah. So Black sits down. He's like, okay, fine. I will write something of substance. Uh, <laughs> if I must. Yeah. And he started writing a rom-com. Uh, and his mentor is James L. Brooks, who is like... Oh! And broadcast news but like the simpsons yeah. guy yeah yeah so he did a lot of good stuff a lot of big things um black writes uh, a rom-com that's slightly mystery-ish and he hands it off to james l brooks who says it sucks uh he says <laughs> that you're mentoring yeah well he just says you're just trying to write like me like obviously you're trying to get inspiration from somewhere don't be me because you Aren't. I'm me. I'm yeah. me. Leave me out of this. Uh, and he tells him, like, do what you're good at. Like, you are good at action stuff. It doesn't have to be an action movie, but frame it in that and you'll have, okay. I mean, you'll have something. Uh, so he sits down and he watches, he mentions Dirty Harry, but he says it's not really that. It's Point, black, point Blank, uh, Bullet, and The French Connection are the big three that okay. go into this. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, and he used that to, like, make what he, he still thinks this is a rom-com. But it's also a mystery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Interesting. So he wrote that, and uh, you know, I should have followed up. I I assume he's part of the Film Academy at this point, but who knows? <laughs> I feel like I feel like afterwards you could just be like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I don't care anymore. I like my own academy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With blackjack and hookers. <laughs> um. Okay. I just side note. I I can't get it out of my head. I. Didn't really know, like, who James L. Brooks was, but mm. I had seen the Halloween Simpsons episode, so I was like, why is this guy's name James Hell Brooks? What a <laughs> weird and bad nickname to have. And then later on, I found out his, his initial was L. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> that's good advice, though. It's just like, yeah, I know, like, you're trying to, you're working with me, like, mm. j but don't try to be me. I'm, I'm yeah. mentoring you for a reason, and it's because you're you, and you should write like you. That's and I feel like that's care. that's the the best advice, too, of, like, it's not, it's more specific than write what you know, but it's a, like, somebody coming to you and saying, hey, I think that you're good at this thing, so marry these two ideas, as opposed sure. to, like, yeah. blow it up and start over, or yeah. whatever. Or yeah. only do what you think is good forever, instead yeah. of, like, okay, yes, you have to go in a direction, but write it the way that you want to write yeah. the thing you have to write. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. 
I love how every single piece of advice a creative, successful person will ever give is like, write what you want, mm. you know, do the projects you want, do things that you want to be doing or you wish you had seen or whatever. And we're still like, how can we pump out a 57th yeah. different, slightly different and version then of... capitalism rhymes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's really what it is. Da, 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 da. Anyway. Yep, foot on the neck. Uh, <laughs> How do we manage to get this into every episode of like, and then capitalism? Get me talking long enough and I will. <laughs> That's true. Yep. All Nick's conversations bend towards hating capitalism. Yep. And anyway. becoming a crab, as we all know. Carcinization. Look it up. This is the carcinization. Of, yeah. <laughs> Look it up, idiots. I'm not going to talk about carcinization. <laughs> That's a whole other. Yeah. Okay. We're back on track. Thank back you, James Elbrecht. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, I just like James L. Brooks always said that like, oh yeah, Shane Black is really good at uh, write, writing dialogue the way that people actually talk, which this feels like, it, it yes. all feels like the slightly heightened version of that, but it is really like, I don't know, it feels like the inverse of an Aaron Sorkin to me, where like, everybody's talking all the time, but there's just a lot of like, f- fucks and shits used in place of proper nouns, because they just... People are vamping to it, like they're yeah. going on ahead too strong, and they like, I can't remember the word for this. There's one bit where Perry makes fun of a, a turn of phrase that Harry uses, mm. and Harry mishears him. Oh, yeah. And But Perry doesn't explain himself, he just keeps making fun, he keeps riffing on this, like, mishearing. Yeah. And and, and Harry's just left here being like, what, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And and he just doesn't explain it. I, I like that. There are just moments that are like, if you if you just sit down and look at what the script must have said for this scene, mm. it looks insane. <sighs> but it works very well because it's just like a guy poking fun at another guy. Yeah, really punching down. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of that stuff. And just like, yeah, people talking the way they would talk. <laughs> if they were very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the coolest version of it. Yeah, yes. exactly. exactly. That's all it is. We all strive to be Val Kilmer in this movie. Um, you bet we do. <laughs> yeah. Which this feels like, I know I knew the nice guys, which is sure. feels like this same movie a couple of years later. Yeah. Uh, before I knew this movie. So this feels like a, uh. we all have, for those that are enjoyers of these movies, I know nice guys is my favy, but mm. I, uh, this is one of those like kiss, kiss, bang, bang, walked so that... Nice yes. guys could be Ryan Gosling could accidentally and bleed down. out into a stairwell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a really good. Uh, I mean, extremely, almost meaningless comparison to make. But like, yeah, this is exactly that dynamic where there's like one guy who is hyper competent at his job yeah. and like hates that he has to be partners with this fucking idiot. <laughs> But who's, like, charming, like, you can't hate them. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to hear some of your final thoughts on uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I feel like I started segueing into it just there, where it's it's just, like, it's nice to see. You know how in these detective novels, like, the main guy is always extremely cool and competent and, like, almost supernaturally good at the job, where he's just got, like, an eye for crime or Mm -hmm. fucking whatever. Harry is so bad at all of this, like... He's constantly bungling everything. Like, he accidentally kills a guy because he doesn't understand. Like, he's trying to tough guy intimidate him like he's seen in the movies or whatever. And he's like, oh, I fired a gun with a live round in it at this man's forehead. Like, I was trying to bluff him. And he murders him by accident and just, like... He can't, he, he leaves his thumb at, at the crime scene. Okay, the dog eats it. It's the fine. dog eats it. But like, he just, he's breaking into a person's house and he puts his own thumb on ice to like chill. <laughs> just really, you're going to leave just your entire intact fingerprint at the scene, <laughs> you know, and he, he would have totally fucked up this this body. Like, he finds it in the bathroom. He accidentally pees on it because he just, like, is peeing. He kind of sees something in his peripheral, turns and just, like, pees all over the corpse. And, like, he is so... If Perry weren't there, he would be 100% in jail or dead. Oh, yeah. And it's just really refreshing to... Like, it's, you know, Perry's the main character, but the story kind of revolves around Harry, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just nice to see someone just totally fucking shit the bed all the way through this and just have a guy who's helping out because he likes him. Like, Perry genuinely likes Harry. He 
doesn't really at first want to work with him. Yeah. But I think he's he would never like abandon Harry or whatever, right? Like he always he comes immediately when he gets the call and, and stuff like that. Like I need help. So it's just nice to see like a noir that fits perfectly into all of the tones and mm. like the structures of a noir. But there it's like the power of friendship holding it together. <laughs> like, you know. It's such a like nice wholesome thing for such a sweary, grimy little movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just about like if you remove the writing style and the chemistry it's just about like having a horrible past filled with sex abuse and then like accidental cd murders like it's not fun but that's it it takes those parts that are often used throughout noir and makes them fun it just it really (laughs) grounds it in a way like what if a real person was in a noir instead Mm. of it was being written by like a pulpy paperback writer yeah you know yeah yeah i really like that i like it just being like yes i can relate to someone in a noir finally (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) i can finally relate me a sack yeah i'm a sack (laughs) I deserve to see myself represented in cool crime movies. Proper representation is important. Yes, yes. as we all know. So that's that's what I that's what I really like about it. I think it's just like such a grounded noir, and for me, that's kind of where they lose me sometimes. It's mm-hmm. like no one would really behave like this or yeah. be able to work like this. But here we are. A, a charming and lovable noir. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Well, I wanted to say one thing that um, I'd forgotten about the grounded aspect. I really like. This guy, I'm, I'm segueing. Listen to me go. Mm. I really like the way that this is, it's very grounded character wise, but like the journey through LA is very heightened and ridiculous. Like the, sure. the insane Hollywood parties. I think there, there's at least two, if not more yeah. <laughs> in, in this that, um, uh, Shane Black specifically mentions that like, People accused him at first of like, oh, you got this huge $4 million for this script. You must have, you have these huge Hollywood parties because you have all this money. Right. He's like, yeah, I had holiday, big Hollywood parties. I brought my mom and dad and we had potlucks and <laughs> it was cute. There was just a lot of people there. Yeah. So he's like, all those scenes he wrote as what people told him they assumed his parties were like combined with like just general caricaturing of... LA culture stuff. I really like the, for those scenes in particular, I like that the decorations are all live human beings in fucking ridiculous costumes. It it really plays up this, like, people are objects and they mean Mm -hmm. nothing to the people with power. Yeah. It's such an obvious, you know, obviously, like, they just, you know. Just because something's obvious doesn't mean it's bad, though. It was done in a a very memorable way. I There's a woman with hooves. Yep. There's a reindeer woman hybrid. I don't I don't know what to say about any of it. <laughs> All of the decorations are live humans yeah. in cages. It's it, very like vaguely Christmas themed. <laughs> vaguely. If Christmas had a lot of tits out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Tidmas. <laughs> anyway. I'm just that's just a wonderful phrase. Thank you for that. Um so I I really like that part because it feels like uh, you take your your sack, and part of the reason he's a sack is that he doesn't understand how to navigate this world. No, he's mm. smoking constantly. And I was like, ew. Like, yeah, like one of the first times, like he walks up to a group of people and lights a cigarette, and literally everybody goes, bah, 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 and, like, <laughs> and gives him a look and yeah. walks off. He's yeah. got a real like, what? What the? Fuck? I'm from New York over here. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to like wash his shoes in the pool. Like he's just not <laughs> on top of it at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you take that, and it's this. Sack or not, it's it's navigating this culture that doesn't really exist, but that everyone's like, oh, I know what this culture is, what this place is. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the stereotype is what you make it. Yeah. They think it's their... They think that's what the culture is. Therefore, they try. They replicate that culture. I yeah. mean, I guess that's just so it's, culture. But. It's that super heightened thing combined with the grounded character thing. Yeah. I like, that's a good combo to me. Totally. Uh, and you've also got the... Uh, I feel like I didn't really think about this previously watching it, but there's a real specific of, like, the tragic backstory thing that you're trying to, like, make amends for. Sure. There isn't that so much in this as it is, like, we're trying to recapture our childhood kind of thing. There's definitely some of that, yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's... it's It uses the trope to its advantage, where it's like, the trope would normally be, uh, my 
partner got shot in the man and like that does exist but it's not yeah. about that it's about it's not about that at all it's about oh wasn't it great when we were kids remember these old times i'd love like i just want to relive those moments yes i want to be able to have some of that back yeah but they and they also do the thing of like it also just kind of sucked like yeah. i was in love with this person who saw me as a friend and like i wanted to help her but i couldn't yeah and, yeah yeah, I, yeah it's pining for a thing that didn't really exist you yeah, know, such a like modern noir thing yeah. to do, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, I like all that. What a great treatment. And then also, it's funny. <laughs> it is very funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So those are my ending thoughts on uh, KKBB. KKBB. <laughs> very nice. So now we're going to, as usual, take our uh, movie this week and program it on a double bill, complete with a marquee title if we happen to think of one. This is a uh, time for you to shine. I'm going to send it your way. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> okay. You. I kind of, um, I, I, well, I pulled back the curtain a little bit too early and I Ooh. accidentally said my thing earlier. <gasps> I'm going to pair it with The Long Goodbye. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it is a movie at its heart. It's like what a noir would be if you took it out of the 50s and put it in what was at the time the present day. And to specify, there are a few long goodbyes. You're oh, talking the Elliot Gould one? Yes, the yeah, one directed by Robert Altman. Yeah, and based on a Raymond Chandler novel. Yes. Um, so it's just a very classic, like, it's almost a farewell to noir, where it's like none of the things that worked, none of the mechanisms or the, the like, styles that worked in noirs are effective anymore because people don't live that reality anymore. They've yeah. moved beyond it, and they've sort of, like, heightened that to a point where... Yeah, you you can't get along in that world anymore. Mm. And Gould is the one guy who's stuck in the past. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's just like such a sack. Like he can't he almost solves the case by accident, <laughs> you know. All he really wants is to like get some cat food and yeah. like have, you know, be able to scratch out his life or whatever. So, and yeah, they're both about like you have to solve the murder of a woman that you may or may not be involved in, like you may know the people involved, you may not. The the reveal basically doesn't come until the very end, like the resolution. Yeah. Um, but it is a guy just being like, I really thought it was going to be different. Like being a PI is yeah. not the way I thought it would be. Everyone is so much worse and like <laughs> shittier than. But then you realize, like, of course, it was always like this, and it's just yeah. like you can't be cruel enough anymore to keep up with these people. It's got that, yeah, that's a specific flavor of melancholy. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah, where you're like almost pining, like you recognize that it, it's not good, mm. like that. That you know, you can't romanticize this horrible, you know, <laughs> way of treating people or whatever. And yeah, um, I feel like I had something else as well. Yeah, just a total sack. It's just <laughs> <laughs> mostly sack-based, yeah, my comparison here. Yeah, sack-based bill. Yeah. It's, it's what was at the time, at the time the movie was made, was like um, present-day noir. Yeah. What would noir be in this day and age? Yeah. And turns out, bad! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it, um... Big sacks. <laughs> I don't think I am going to call it no. Big Sacks, actually. Thank you for your input. Low-hanging gonna... sack. Had to... Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm just very aware of how often you've said sack this episode as well. I'm saying it like sad sack. No, I know. That's how okay. I'm saying it, too. Right, just what checking, are you thinking? Just checking. For shame. Pretty sure you're um, going to hear the daggers being shot at me out of your eyes. Then. <laughs> I'm going to call it Bodies Are Where You Write Them. Oh. Yes, because they're both based on novels. Yeah, they are. Sure, that's what I'm going to call it. I also, I feel like it's the same sense of humor in both of them, too, where it's... Yes. Everybody just likes to kick the protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> and we love to see it. We do love to see it, Yeah. <laughs> I'm also, oh. I've, I, sorry, I, I was like, there's one more thing. Oh, there's just a cute little, like, Philip Marlowe, Elliot Gould's character in Long Goodbye. Yep. He tricks his cat into eating. He tries to trick He tries cat. to trick his cat into eating food that's not, like, the right kind of cat food because he's finicky. He puts the, the bad cat food into the real cat food can. Well, and the cat's out of the room. Yeah, and then serves that to him. And the cat's not fucking having any of it. 
and that sort of vibe happens a lot in in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah. where like you think like I'm gonna trick them by doing something unexpected. They can see you the whole time. They know what you're doing. Everyone knows exactly what you're, you're yeah. only really patting yourself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> if you succeed in this, it's by accident. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's all. Also, you got a good cat in Long Goodbye. You got a good dog in. You do. That's true. Friends with the protagonist. (laughs) So there you go. That's how we know to trust them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Animal Friends. (laughs) That's going to be the title of my double There you go. Thank you, Animal Friends. (laughs) Nothing to do with either movie. You're like, oh, this will be cute. This family friendly guy. Oh, no. All right, over to you. Uh, Okay, so I was very much, as I said, vibing this time with traversing this heightened subculture kind of thing mm. that doesn't really exist but we all we all get it yeah now <laughs> the culture is just what we've built up as the culture yeah. uh combining that with trying to work out your childhood shit mm. uh okay. taking the opportunity to do it in the present and also knowing that nothing will ever get better so i'm gonna pair this with the kid detective from 2020 oh nice <laughs> which is nice. Uh, starring adam brody and uh before I forget to mention it, because I didn't take note of this, I was just thinking about this as we were recording, that, like, oh, yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang kind of bombed when it came out, and it's just mm. word yeah. of mouth kept it going. Big and releases, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, big on home media. Yeah. And kind of the same thing happened to Kid Detective. There's, oh. like, no marketing whatsoever for either one yeah, of them. Yeah, there really wasn't, was there? They got really kneecapped that way. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, Kid Detective, part of the reason I wanted to throw this in here, get your Canadian content. Yeah. <laughs> we got uh, Adam Brody, who's, uh, <laughs> as a kid... This character's name was Abe Applebaum. He was. This is, takes place all in a small town, so this is like yeah. the exact inverse to me of like LA is this big, True. everybody's networking, and we got these art installations and everything. And this is the small town. Everybody knows everybody. You know all your little like. There's a goth subculture that everyone's like, oh yeah, the goth kids. Like it feels very yeah. moving through the quote unquote underworld of these settings. Um, yeah. Uh, as a kid. Uh, Abe is a he's a kid detective and he goes around solving minor mysteries like oh what happened to my cat I lost my hairbrush somebody stole my newspaper like the very cute stuff and he like he has a kid secretary and everything (laughs) that's right they give him like the key to the city this tiny town or whatever he gets a card for um free ice cream for life as a kid (laughs) it's so funny but when he was 12 his close friend and secretary grace gulliver disappears and despite his investigation neither he nor the police are able to find her leaving him traumatized because he Mm. knows she's out there somewhere and you know, there's your noir backstory. Yeah. But the story takes place when Abe is 32 years old, continues to operate as a detective, doing the kid crimes still somehow. Basically, yeah, <laughs> it is a lot of like, can you find my cat? Like, so he's yeah. the punching bag of the, the small town. His family and his peers are calling him a failure to his face and trying to get him to grow up. Uh, and so he's pretty depressed. He's struggling. And uh, he meets up with an orphaned high school student named Caroline, who approaches him for help to investigate the murder of her boyfriend, Patrick Chang. And he uh, takes the murder investigation as a way to, like, I'm going to take it on for free and I'll, like, prove that I can do it. It's this, like, yeah. I'll go into I'll get the get my scene. mojo back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's the same thing of, like, to me of, like, oh, I'm going to use this case to solve my past trauma. Go yeah. Subculture <laughs> if I can do this well, I'll be vindicated. And yeah. My past mistakes will disappear. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's not the same vibe, but it's the same thing on paper, I feel like, to me. Totally. Yeah. yeah I think you're right. Kid Detective is much more, much more dry, but... Uh, yes. Dramatic say, and dry. Yeah. yeah. Big fan of, of that one. Check it out if you like your... Yeah. Dry comedy wars. <laughs> Yeah. Comedy-ish. Yeah, no, there's some comedy. Yeah. And I can't think of what to call it. Uh, Kids say the darndest things. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually great. I do like that. (laughs) There's that bit in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang where they're doing like a flashback of, you know, Harry when he was a kid and Mm. and Harmony. They had this little magic act or whatever Mm. and saw the girl in half. And they're doing it at this fair and she starts screaming and screaming and screaming like, oh my God, something has gone wrong. He's really sawing her in half. They open the box and she's fine. She's like, I'm going to be an actress. <laughs> but they open the box and like, there's no barrier. They could have cut her That's in half. That's true. This is a real, like, it was the 80s and safety <laughs> didn't exist. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Kids do say the darndest they things. They do. They do. They solve <laughs> crimes. They cut each other in half. Yeah. Kid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just kids things. Uh, 
What so, a great movie. Yep. Recommend all movies. Yep. Good times had by all. Mm-hmm. So that'll about do us for another episode of Gartbidge. So follow us on uh, on Twitter and Instagram at GartbidgePod. Uh, review us on the podcast platform of your choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Aaron, where can people find you online? Oh, uh, if they would like, they can find me on Twitter at Maclebase, M-A-C-L-E-B-A-S-S. And you can find me at Dick R. Navis, D-I-C-K-R. N-A-V-I-S. I'll spell it this time. Wow. There you go. So that'll wrap us up here for uh, pretty much for November. We got mm-hmm. one episode left coming up to bridge the gap into the new season of right. holiday. <laughs> the holiday season, as some might say. Uh, I wouldn't. Weird people would say. <laughs> Next week we'll be doing uh, The Night of the Hunter, which is maybe not a noir, but it's definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will talk about this. We yeah. will talk about this yeah. next week mm-hmm. on Garbage Pod. How do you like that? Join us next week here for another episode, another pile of